Uh, dear listeners, welcome to the seventh episode of the Wellbeing Podcast with Sandeep Nushan. Uh, this episode has been really, really special in, in terms of um, so many things, which w- which I'll uh, hopefully tell you later in the show. Uh, without any delay, I want to invite uh, a very special guest for this episode. Chef, amazing human being, um, a great friend of mine. Um, well, I had the opportunity to uh, work with him for uh, several years. Um, he's also a father of two amazing kids, uh, Leo and Lucas. Um, I'm so grateful that he offered and uh, uh, came here to show his support and uh, perhaps share a few uh, few things from his personal uh, life and experience. Chef Austin Torciello, welcome to the uh, podcast, The Wellbeing. Thank you so much, Sandeep. Really fantastic to, to hear from you. Uh, you know, great to be in touch from the other side of the world and, and be able to share my perspective on, you know, uh, a, a really important topic for me. Um, you know, great to, great to hear from you. Great to be uh, with you, especially going through this journey uh, and show some support towards you getting the podcast going, man. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, thank you. I think I think we are living in this amazing time where uh, we could virtually connect with almost everybody um, in this globe. But with this opportunity, also there are some uh, issues. It's always a problem sometimes to establish a secure connection with somebody uh, who is um, so far away from uh, the actual uh, recording. Uh, uh, station and we've been experiencing this issue for some time so uh, I'm hoping <laughs> just, uh, we just can a couple drops this. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and you know <laughs> um, I've been putting him putting the chef in uh, you know going through he's going through uh, this trouble of trying to uh, you know uh, connect with me and uh, I'm asking him to like let's do it again and again and again so hopefully it doesn't drop in the middle <laughs> That said, uh, uh, I'm gonna just begin and uh, ask the chef uh, how he's been. I know it's been a, a difficult time, not just in the United States, but around the globe, and especially hard for the hospitality industry with the pandemic. Um, but uh, let me ask him, how are you doing, chef? Uh, what's going on? What's new in your life? Well, uh, you know, I, I'd like to think all things considered, I'm doing pretty great. Um, this year uh, has been filled with a ton of negatives uh, if you look at it with the wrong perspective. Uh, but I think one of the things that you know I've seen a lot of and, and I've learned this year specifically um, is just patience and the limit of control that, that we as human beings actually have in our in our everyday life. Um, and especially for for all of us, we, we want to think that, you know, we were the masters of our own destiny and we can do all of these things. And, uh, you know, if there's a will that there's a way. Uh, and I, I think the biggest lesson coming out of 2020 is uh, the lack of control that we truly have and how we have to really adjust our mentality uh, towards being better, more patient people and understanding these challenges and what it means on, on the greater spectrum. Um, you know, I've, I've launched many restaurants in my career, helped people start up, consulted on projects that were, you know, in their infancy and, and helped to see them through. Uh, and this year I've kind of started, stopped, reinvented and changed everything that I've been doing in all three of the businesses that I operate up here um, pretty much like six times um, you know between uh, them shutting us down or, or between us adjusting to the challenges of the virus before the shutdown adjusting to delivery only challenges adjusting to um, how how and what are we going to do with loan money and what are we going to do with this? And then relaunching with outdoor dining only, and then relaunching with indoor dining only, and all the challenges that we face with that. And now they're about to maybe pull things back, and there's new restrictions, and the winter is coming. And I'm sure it could beat a lot of people. 
but it's all about the mental state. And I, I think that that's, you know, one of the things that, that we're really here to talk about today. Um, and, and at least uh, from what you told me originally uh, about the, the podcast, I, I think that that's one of the most profound parts of uh, understanding that and, and finding happiness in these difficult situations. Absolutely. Uh, you, I think, uh, Chef, you hit this spot. Um, this this has been uh, the number one is in the, um, or the inspiration behind uh, trying to do this kind of podcast because I really felt when I was uh, m- myself struggling through uh, phases, um, you know, I could, in the social media, now that, you know, you could find almost everything um, if you... Uh, you know, type few sentences in a Google search, but there there are still um, quite a few uh, uh, places where we could visit you to sort of get help. But mm-hmm. I think uh, it is still underrated. You know, like mental health, uh, the well-being, and happiness. This topic should be in the forefront. That's what I thought. Uh, you know, but I think uh, it is not in the forefront at the time. That's why we see, uh, like, I, I suffered uh, through some phases. I, th- I see, you know, people, our kids, um, you know, youths and people uh, who need help. Uh, I think it is not as easily accessible as it should be. That's what uh, we thought. I, 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 you know, in that point, I think you hit, hit the spot. That said, you already told about patience and having, you know, uh, having to... Um, having to have that uh, sense of uh, endurance uh, to cope up with the difficult time in 2020 is perfect, I guess. You know, uh, which shows that you know how fragile and how uncertain uh, things could be. Uh, that's mm-hmm. it. What are the approaches you personally took, Chef? I know uh, you, you know, you personally took. Uh, some of the approaches or uh, did you do any exercises or is it just some uh, introspection you did um, what are the ways you, you applied in your life uh, to keep your through all of this 2020 well first of all in, in breaking the stigma uh, that exists between uh, a masculine personality and, and mental health issues which I think is like one of the, the most glaring issues right is that people say you know you're a man you don't you don't talk about mental health you just get through it and you bite the bullet and and you you get through these challenges and and i just want to let everyone know who's listening that that is an absolute lie and to completely tell yourself that is a disservice to yourself um you know i've seeked therapy many times in my life through different challenges um and actually for the last two years um, I've been seeing a mental health professional who uh, helps me to have an ear that comes from a place of non-judgment who has no no real influence on my life other than being the rock on which I place my problems. Um, and I think that that's a, a very healthy part of what has made me be able uh, to confront these challenges as they've come to me this year. Uh, I think that without the the two years of lead up uh, that I've been working with a professional on, on countering my demons and, and looking at these negative aspects of my life um, and looking at the harmful traits of my personality, um, that was one of the most important things. Um, you know, Sandeep, I'm, I'm sure you remember, uh, I'm an avid reader. Um, constantly nose deep in books or articles or um, really whatever I can digest in front of me and that's uh, definitely been a a portion of my calm is keeping myself informed staying informed for other people whether it be things about the virus or things that uh, I need to do to take care of the people around me uh, from the public health standpoint or you know, strategies that I can take, uh, books on psychology, things that I can do to help the people who I'm ultimately responsible for uh, as like my employees and 
man, the people who seek me as their leader, um, and, and being a stronger person for them. Um, you know, that's, that's one of the things that as a chef, um, everyone relies on you. You've got to be the person with all the answers. Um, so if I crumble, they crumble. Uh, and I think that's always been one of the things that, that keeps me going. Um, you know, but staying informed, taking care of myself. Um, I've smoked marijuana for 17 years of my life. I turned 30 this year. I quit. Uh, I stopped drinking. Uh, and and really, I, I bought myself a motorcycle in the middle of the pandemic to give myself a hobby that I could escape. Uh, I, I, I saw your motorcycle. It's dope. <laughs> Thanks, man. I've been, uh, I've, I've been... Uh, kind of using that as like my escape so you know between doing some custom work on it and like you know slowly wrenching on the bike to disappearing into the mountains um or even just going for for an hour or two on a ride after a, a long and hectic day in a place where i can be in my mental space and decompress um you know one thing that you and I both know is, is how difficult it is to decompress after rough nights in the hospitality industry. Um, sure. And it is one of those really um, disturbing and dark sides of the industry. And a lot of people turn to drugs and a lot of people turn to alcohol or uh, promiscuity in their sex lives or, or whatever the case may be. But a lot of people turn to very negative demons um, in which I was guilty of for quite a few years in my early 20s <laughs> um and and now you know I, I see that those coping strategies were, were very ineffective um and still being able to be in the industry and and be a little bit older and have grown a little bit more and and, and see these things and, and really start working on myself um has given me a lot of perspective and I have always been searching for what else can I do uh, to come back from that and, and to not lead myself into that dark side and that temptation that's that's so ever present uh, in the industry that I call my home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh. So it's funny, It's it's been a whole lot of, of, of growth as a person. I think that that, that individual growth is, is really what's keeping sane and, and, and happiness and, and some semblance of like a a real life, if you will. You know what I mean? As opposed to delving into social media or um, all this fear campaigning and the political nightmare that we've experienced yeah. in the United States this year. Um, it's, it's truly... Um, just a minefield of very difficult situations and tiptoeing through that to come out on the other side um, is definitely a challenge. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you think uh, the uh, stress factor, um, the building of some of the habits which you now consider were not productive, like you know alcohol or anything else right like even like weed um do you think those um had to do uh, more so with the work choice because hospitality could be really really tough and as a chef as you told me and um you know you know it could be really challenging um do you attribute um some of the uh, uh behavior pattern we are falling into has must do with the career choice or it could be or you think it would be independent of each other well i mean like you know speaking for myself personally and like you know my entire life um i've always had let's call them substance abuse issues uh <laughs> you know uh from from the time that i was younger and playing around and experimenting with drugs and alcohol and going to parties and, you know, uh, being, being that guy. Um, I've, I've always been there. So, you know, I, I could say it's partially independent. Um, 
you know, hospitality does have uh, a certain stigma attached to it and that there, there are a lot of people who, um, you know, habitually use cocaine on the regular and uh, drink every single night after their shifts and um, who smoke or, you know, use hard drugs or, or whatever it is to just like maintain themselves through this lifestyle that is intensely grueling and filled with intense pressures. Um, but the same could be said of, of a lot of different industries, right? And there's a lot of work um, and a lot of personal stresses that, that everybody goes through um, that can push them into these habits. Um, not to say that, like, you know, having a drink here or there is bad. Like, don't get me wrong. I definitely enjoyed a couple glasses of wine for Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, definitely when, when the time is appropriate, I think is what I've learned. It's like that, that appropriate time, uh, to indulge and, you know, be around people and celebrate life. Um, and that's where I'm choosing to drink or, uh, choosing to indulge, if you will. Um, but you know, like for me, I would rather say, um, self-control and composure, uh, is, is, is more, important than putting the blame on on work you know because mm-hmm. yeah. for years I, I put the blame and I said like oh no I'm working I'm going to the bar I was going to buy everybody shots and we're going to have a great time and I'll be the last one at the bar and the first one to work and I'm going to go through it and then you know as soon as it gets done maybe I'll smoke a joint in the middle of the day and then I'll be back you know cranking out have a great service because I'm, I'm placing the blame instead of accepting responsibility for my mm-hmm. own mental state and actions. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that that's, that's the, the real issue, right? Was, was finding a way to accept these things and say, look, if you're going to continue to do the same thing over and over, you're just going to go crazy. And you're going to lose yourself to, to the demons, you know, to, to these negative attributes of your personality. Yeah. Like, um, for, I, I, you know, Chef, like, I think sometimes um, it takes uh, a particular situation in somebody's life where uh, people are forced to sort of uh, introspect within and see, like, the habits they are or, uh, you know, or taking on, is it uh, helping them or not? Like, for instance, for myself, when I moved back to Nepal, obviously I was not uh, working at restaurants and the vibe in Nepal is really, really different, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, it's the mountainous and, you know, it's like, in terms of naturally, it's really, really beautiful. Like, there's a lot of tons of uh, beauty in terms of nature, but it's not, definitely not as advanced. Uh, not even close as New York City, right? So mm-hmm. I was not around bars. I was not around that kind of environment myself. And that put me in a position where I ha- I was forced to look into myself. And when I was not following through the habit pattern that I was used to, then I started realizing that uh, I, had, I had problems and they need to be fixed, mm-hmm. right? Um, absolutely and that's that's when i started making uh, changes and the changes were tough like even for me i i i uh, drank for you know uh, as a sommelier myself with the interest in wine and with the hospitality you know, we uh, we indulge in drinking uh, very much and um so I made uh, changes in my life. Uh, I, I'm in a really, really better place right now, um, physically and mentally, because obviously if we start paying attention to what we are eating or drinking and what are we thinking, uh, right? Right food, diet, exercise. I've been meditating for continuously for the past one year, attended at two, like 20 days, 10, 10 days uh, long retreat. Everything has helped. For you, um, what was that point? When did you start noticing that uh, the habits you are uh, partaking on is no longer uh, contributing to your to the quality of life? Is it? Uh, I I even suspect um, could it be uh, after 
you have uh, you know because you have two kids now after you have become father you started uh, rethinking about it or or tough light times like this has made you uh, look deep inside yourselves or like can you uh, take us through uh, how things uh, so how so fatherhood is into those things uh, father fatherhood was a was a huge step for me um and and it goes a little bit deeper uh than just myself becoming a father uh and it it really tracks me back to to growing up and and how my experience was and and the family structure that I grew up in uh I definitely did not have the the ideal childhood um you know uh my family was a little bit separated until i was 6 when we got back together and moved in as like a a whole family unit again um my father struggled with uh alcohol abuse uh still does to this day and you know that always left a a, a weird strain on our relationship uh in which he dedicated more time to his work and to drinking and decompressing from it than he did to my brother and myself as children. Uh and I saw those types of destructive behaviors firsthand growing up and I don't think that I got like that that right type of support or encouragement uh that you need from a father figure in your life. Um and you know I've kind of used that to to galvanize myself and and make myself stronger. in saying that you know when i became a father i was going to do better um and that's that's been a a personal mission of mine um pretty much since 2015 uh when i became a dad for the first time um and you know i was young I was 25 um you know my my wife and I were planning to get married that year found out we were expecting push the the wedding back a year um and and really just coped with these challenges and uh at the time um I was running uh, a three-star Michelin restaurant uh at at Masa in Columbus Circle and which for those of you who know uh is one of like the the top 5 restaurants in New York. It's the only 3 Michelin restaurant uh in Japanese cuisine outside of Japan. Uh it was an extremely difficult time for me mentally. You know, I was working 6 days a week, 70 hours, uh really just grinding it out and to find out that I was going to accept the challenge of fatherhood at that time. Um it actually got to the point where I decided to give up this job that many people would kill for. Mm-hmm. Um good because I knew that it wasn't going to give me the time to be the dad that I wanted to be. Um so I made a move that was bad for my career but so much better for my personal life and it's a decision that I'll never turn back on. Um you know, I was working in Michelin kitchens for pretty much my entire career. uh since I got to New York and when I became a dad I said you know what I've had enough of this um and I started doing more independent ventures I started doing more consulting I started um opening up like some like casual restaurants that um I had a stake in that I was like giving myself time and being my own boss so that no one could tell me that I couldn't do what I needed to do for my family Mhm. Um and and that was a huge huge step for me. Um you know, even before we jumped on this call today, um I read three books every night to both of my kids. Um uh, without fail. Doesn't matter if I'm working or not working or whatever it is. Um that's like a a, a point that we make and we we do things in the morning time. And, you know, they ask me questions and they're curious and we draw things and we go on nature hikes and you know we don't allow them to really use technology for more than 20 minutes a day uh we're we're very much interested in in being good parents and you know that that made a huge shift for me mm-hmm. because like all of my friends in the industry a, a majority of my friends 
uh, don't live this life. They, they don't know what it like. It, it's like to have kids. They don't understand the struggle and the dedication and, and what it means or uh, the adversity that I faced as a child and why I put so much effort into being a better dad for my kids. Because um, for me, it's the most important thing in the world. Uh, for me, setting up their lives and giving them the love and attention and support uh, and understanding is really above else. It's it's the highest calling that I've had. So, you know, to say that, oh, I'm just going to go out and I'm going to go to the bar until three o'clock in the morning is a selfish decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to it's going to impact how. I am with my kids the next day. Uh, And, you know, is it 100%, you know, that like I want to do the right thing for my kids? Yeah, absolutely. You know, are there times where I want to do things for myself? Yeah, absolutely. I drive around a motorcycle and I disappear into the mountains for two hours when they're driving me nuts. I'm I'm only human. You know what I mean? But (laughs) at the same time, um, you know, it's this greater calling. It's, It's knowing that I've put my life secondary. Um, and it's one of the beautiful things that, that I really do enjoy about being in the kitchen because like unde- un- undeniably at its purest form, I am taking something from myself and creating it to give to other people. And that's what I really love about food and hospitality. And, and one of the things that drives me to be a chef um, is that I am nurturing the the soul and the the energy of other human beings you know i'm taking a part of myself whether it be like creativity or time or um you know the the physical output required to do so uh in the interest of making sure that somebody can enjoy breaking bread with the people across that table uh that they can enjoy being a part of that and, and really enjoy that truly human experience and one of the things that makes uh, societal interactions great uh, is coming together around food um, and I, I, I love that uh, that's that's why I do what I do Chef what was your if I may what was your first encounter with food like uh, any particular um, do you remember uh, any particular incident where uh, the food was uh, much more meaningful than it would be for you know normal people and how how uh, you started paving your way towards uh, choosing uh, chef as your uh, you know professional career well like one thing that I voted always noticed is like you know for whatever is going on in somebody's life and for whatever problems that they have and whatever problems that they're facing and what whatever is going well or poorly or whatever it always ceases around a table mm-hmm. when you're sitting across from somebody and, and sharing in food and drink and, and all of these things um i believe that it's a very humanizing experience and it's like one of those things that touches almost a, a primal instinct on, on who we are as people, right? Because what's the first thing that you do to make someone feel comfortable in your home? You offer them food. You offer them a drink. Can offer I give you food. anything? Can, yes. Is there something mm-hmm. I can do for you? So it's tending to the needs of others in uh, this really like primal instinct that we have as people. Uh, and, and I find that great. Um, I started cooking when I was 13 years old. Um, my parents' anniversary that year, I did a, a five-course tasting menu for them. I was wow. a 13-year-old kid. I didn't know what I was doing, but uh, you know, I read some books and I tried some things, and uh, it came out pretty all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, here here I am, years later. Um, you know, de- designing an experience, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that's like the bigger thing, right? I, and, and why we refer to restaurants, not as restaurants, but as concepts, right? Because I'm, I'm trying to get you to indulge in this idea, this place, this escape from your everyday life, 
where you can come and you can be a part of this vibe that we're creating uh, and, and really be a part of it. And I think that there's certain people who understand it and there's certain people who like really connect uh, to that kind of like hum and vibration on like a spiritual level of, of what it is that we're trying to accomplish. Um, and then you got like the other side of the fence who's like, can I just deconstruct this entire thing because I have the palate of a seven-year-old and I've been eating chicken breast and, and rice my entire life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's funny cause you, you can't discount that either. You know what I mean? Like, a. I'm terribly sorry for all the people who I'm offending with my I want to take apart your meal and and do something. I, I remember uh, you and I had a, a particular experience uh, in the middle of a very hectic Friday night. I think we, we did like 320 people uh, and I'll never forget this uh, as long as I live, but uh, I remember you came to me on the pass and said, Chef, I've got this lady who wants me to hard boil eggs. And I was like, what do you mean? And you were like, well, uh, she doesn't find anything that she wants on the menu. I was like, Sandeep, we have a four page long menu. We're, we're a one star Michelin restaurant. I can't just serve uh, boiled eggs on a plate. Like, <laughs> did you talk to her? And he's like, well, the captain talked to her and I talked to her. And now I'm here with you, and I, I just don't know what to do. <laughs> so I remember at that moment, like, you and I just kind of, like, had that moment where we, we just looked at each other for a minute. And we're, like, super busy. Uh, and I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to go talk to her. So I changed my apron, uh, and we both walk out there together. And I remember, you know, trying to, as politely as I could, be like, um, pardon me, ma'am, I'm, I'm sorry. Um the manager uh, has told me that you couldn't find anything uh, to your liking on our menu. Uh, you asked if we could hard boil some eggs. Um, are there any dietary restrictions or, or anything I should know about so that I might be able to make you something that's a little bit more substantial than hard boiled eggs? And she was like, well, no, you know, that's kind of just what I'm in the mood for. Uh, and I'm sure you've got eggs back there. So if you wouldn't mind and on the way back to the kitchen you and I were just shaking our heads back and forth the entire time and I was like well I guess we're gonna boil her some eggs then so we, 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 did we end up uh, giving her eggs that's that's exactly what we did so I was like you know it's gonna it's gonna take me uh, a little bit of time because I gotta boil the water I gotta boil the eggs I gotta peel the eggs and then I gotta figure out some way to like Make not it, make it look like I just have this nice. white on white yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll never forget that evening because it was like one of those uh, things that like you know as, as a chef it bothers you right because you're yeah. like come on I've gone through all like the, the time and painstaking effort to make sure that every single thing on the menu is absolutely wonderful and of the highest quality uh, and everybody's doing the right things especially at the level that, that we were producing food at right Mm -hmm. um, lessons that, that I've continued to, to keep with me to this day, but and then somebody just says, do you mind if I just get some eggs? <laughs> uh, yeah. At Janoon, especially, it was even really, really tough because um, the guests, um, you know, apart from, um, you know, good American guests or um, Indian American guests, some of the uh, guests who were first generation um, Indian, they, uh, it was really hard to break that barrier, you know, they didn't, um, mm -hmm. they already came up with a full mind, so they're not open to the experience, so I think uh, uh, it was really challenging, and in that sense, uh, you know, even though we both, I'm not, uh, I should say with Janoon, um, I think Janoon had a tremendous impact on how, you uh, especially Indian or Indian South Southeast Asian Indian people thought about food and how it could be elevated. So um, uh, kudos to Janoon and uh, if Rajesh would be listening to Rajesh and everybody behind the uh, 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 concept.
right? Yeah. A restaurant, yeah. No, and I mean, you know, that was that was definitely a, a very, uh, very awesome part of my career. Um, the relationships and and the people um, and and the accomplishments that we were able to do uh, in such a short time. I mean, like many of us are still friends to this day. And, and it, it, it is 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 so. Um, I I remember it too. I I think um, it is that. Indeed, um, yeah, a um, not just a pleasure, but um, is a uh, how do I put it? Is a great, great uh, uh, experience. Uh, yes. You know, it doesn't come out easily. You know, we can't really find it every, everywhere. To be able to work with uh, passionate people, you know, like passionate people like yourself, you mm-hmm. like even for like I'm I don't know if I had taken it for granted when I was working I hope I, I did not but mm-hmm. to look back you know that's incredible to um, have that opportunity to surround yourself with uh, like amazing people who are like really into their work and really passionate about it and that's the beauty about uh, I guess the, uh, uh, you know a great city like New York mm-hmm Is that, I mean, it took us all from all of these different walks of life and, and all of these different people who we had. Um, and, and you remember just how amazingly ethnically diverse mm-hmm. um, our, our kitchen was. You know, you had guys from Nepal and India and Bangladesh, as well as like the Americans who were, who were there. Uh, and honing our craft, such like myself, and then we had this whole crew of West African dishwashers and um, all of these, you know, really the, fine the, like Latin folks who who came from like Central and South America, and 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 really all of these people together, uh, creating a new boundary-breaking take on on Indian cuisine, um, which is a cuisine that is so full of life, right? Like. Uh, I think that if you were to follow a by the gram recipe um, for any true masala or any any true curry, um, it would be a disservice to the cuisine as a whole. Like it, it's a cuisine that that stems from personality and individuality and passion. Um, and I've always felt that food should not be consistent in flavor, but consistent in feeling. Right, I should mm-hmm. invoke yep. the same experience in you every single time. So, if this dish is meant to warm the body and the soul, that it should do that every single time. And it might be a little bit different, but you know, I I'm not the same person I was cooking it for you three days ago as I am today cooking it now. Yeah, like distant feeling, absolutely. Uh, you know, that's what uh, uh, I. Uh, slowly as i got older also uh, had that take on service you know that's what they say it's not uh, what you do but how you make them feel mm-hmm. you know so uh, i think the our um, food and like it's general human experience has so much to do with uh, how we feel right absolutely well, chef uh, we, uh, we uh, i guess uh, we went to that nostalgic area Uh, yeah, you know, uh, thinking about uh, times uh, we work together. So uh, now we're streamlining uh, uh, to the uh, podcast main topic. Mm-hmm. I had a few uh, questions um, I wanted to ask you, and so many of them I think uh, you have already answered it somehow uh, mm. in the conversation. But there's one particular um, uh, question I still want to ask you. It um, At this point, it's a little clear for me, but still, I want to ask you this: so What is what is the most important thing for you in life besides family? Now, you know, I know um, kids and family. By the way, I told you offline, right? You have amazing family. Uh, <laughs> thank you, thank that's you. That's why I keep on like <laughs> liking your pictures and everything. Uh, you know, those two kids—they're beautiful. Uh, be careful with uh, your motorcycle, chef. I know. Uh, <laughs> Motorcycle in United States and motorcycle in other parts of the world is not the same. Oh, you yeah. know, like in Nepal, well, all, everybody all the gear all the time. Yeah, 
all, all the gear all the time and it's, it's really risky but it could be an amazing experience so be careful with that uh, be safe uh, our world wishes is always going to be there and that's it what's the most important uh, thing for you Seb, right now or Honestly, before, or when you were a child before family uh, besides family though the the most important thing for me um uh, has been true my entire life um and it's just be a decent human being for others um you know it's it's funny uh because i'm the chef and because i'm you know the the leader and sometimes i have to show the stern face and you know sometimes people view me as intimidating or uh, a little bit crass or or raw in my personality um but i think that most people get it wrong um if you ever needed something from me i'd be there for you if you ever needed help even if i couldn't help you or i didn't know how i would find a way uh because at the core of who i am uh, as a person and and what i've built my personality on is is being truly selfless for others uh and that is 100% the most important thing in my life um i love other people i love humanity i love everybody uh for their greatness and their faults and all of it in between and although people might be difficult and frustrating at the end of the day I would still always go out of my way. That's that's the uh, fellow man. It is it is it is uh, indeed a uh, beautiful uh I want to I want to add a, a statement there as well. Again, um, since uh, in the podcast we are also catching up. I guess we're catching up after so many years, right? Uh, maybe mm-hmm. we haven't spoken um in like 7 8 years now. Maybe definitely 5 mm-hmm. 5 years. Definitely 5 years. We talked a little bit uh chatted but not spoken in person and mm-hmm. you know, i also asked this question to myself and what should be talking as we should guide my life from there on or now on and i i, I look through a different point of view right and i was mm-hmm. wrong always you know i what I, what I, what i was trying to do was i was trying to work good and achieve and everything but i guess um i i uh, i didn't really understood what made me happy and i've come come to the conclusion is love and service should be the two uh important pillars we should guide somebody's life that's what i thought cuz <laughs> cuz i was connecting with you because you said you know you you want to uh you know be as selfless as possible right and mm-hmm. obviously it should give you some form of uh, satisfaction right but mm-hmm. that's that's not that's not related to a materialistic satisfaction not a satisfaction but the the satisfaction we could get by being selfish mm-hmm. is different than the satisfaction we get being selfless right absolutely uh, and that has a um, different and more profound sort of beauty i i saw it myself and i was i just wanted to share with you right and that's that's what why like i wanted to do something productive but it has to offer some form of service some form mm-hmm. of service which extends beyond uh selfish interest and yes. uh yeah just <laughs> i mean yeah, you know the yeah the thing the thing that's crazy right is so uh right now we we live in a very difficult time uh you know with with media and real news and fake news and instagram and snapchat and tiktok and facebook and all of these um falsified experiences of humanity Um you know I I don't I don't participate a ton on social media. Um when I do uh it's usually like something for the restaurant, you know like uh you you knew me uh at the, at the at the restaurant like I would I would never take pictures of my own dishes to be like look how great this is. Mm-hmm. 
and I was always the last person to taste it because I, I wanted to know what other people felt about it because like yeah I knew what was in it or what it was supposed to taste like like I, I made the thing you know <laughs> but yeah um, but what what has always been more important to me is like what what other people um, feel about it um, and that's one of the reasons why I still love what I do and like the industry has changed a ton and it's it's very different and it's, it's not the same but um, but I'm still just trying to make nice things for cool people and uh, you know not gouge people for it and you know I, I got the I got the visa enough that um, lobster dish you made and even the lamb shank is it uh, oh, you yeah. and chef Eden both and the lobster dish especially remember because mm. I can't remember the name but that was yours no there's there's a one dish that was like hugely popular and uh, every time I uh, got that on the table uh, the, the lamb shank with the uh, toppings and everything and lobster dish because while you're talking like I suddenly saw that saw the picture of those dish <laughs> yeah. yeah no I mean like you know we, we when you're talking I, about I, like I, photographing your dishes you know <laughs> I I never yeah. I never wanted you did, to, you know, did to, that, yeah. to make it about ego and I think that that's like a, a big problem uh, with this social media generation right is it's, it's become so much about the ego the like culture right like that you're feeding into this thing and and you touched on a very interesting point uh much earlier in our conversation where you're talking about uh this when it comes to like the kids and and the impact that it's having on them and like depression is running rampant and all of these um really big social issues um that are being swept under the rug yeah in all of this uh, podcast episode you know is also has been a revelation for me in some sort and um, I had posed this question to um, other guest speakers as well mm-hmm. and if like happiness would be so important for human being right if the well-being and happiness is what why because why not people are teaching those kind of core subjects in in the curriculum you know I don't yeah. know, they don't teach in the school they don't teach in Nepal they didn't teach in college I don't know about high school and some of them said that they don't teach in high school. I think people are not, we all need this sense of well-being and happiness. But though, as you mentioned, the whole uh, world and the trend is going towards, uh, you know, uh, materialistic gain. It's okay with achievement and materialistic gain, but we can, uh, you know, uh, make that out of proportion because it's going to be unhealthy for kids. Because they're not gonna know yeah. how to figure figure this whole process out, you know. And we don't want people to figure out when it's already too late, you know. And we have seen tremendous a lot of examples where people can't figure it out till in their mid forties, fifties, and you know, uh, I was even mentioning Maradona, like Diego Maradona. He had a problem, yeah. you know. And but that that's what I was referring to earlier, you know. And that was that's based on solely based on my observation and i mean like really um you know like i'm a big minimalist um i i don't like clutter uh clutter creates chaos chaos creates stress stress leads to unhappiness yeah um you don't need things things will never bring you joy right you should appreciate the things that you have and find mm-hmm. joy in them, in their mm-hmm. greatness or in their flaws. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I've 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 given away so much stuff that I didn't need. Um, you know, whether it was like old winter jackets that I didn't like anymore, but what was I going to do with them? And you know, I saw these uh, young line cooks who like don't make a ton of money. Um, and you know we're struggling and didn't have like good jackets and like yeah man take this stuff like I don't I don't need it um, yeah. whatever whatever the case was like we donate clothes all the time even the clothes that I buy man like if you see me every day I'm in jeans or chinos in a black t-shirt and every once in a while you'll catch me in a button down if it's the fall and I've got maybe three sweaters um and and like four jackets two of which are for the bike you know like i i don't i don't 
want things anymore. Mm-hmm. I've given up on on wanting, um, and I think that's one of the most important things that helped me grow as a person is understanding uh, being a minimalist, being selfless, uh, and and trying to teach that philosophy to others because like the more that you chase the things like and look like don't get me wrong like yeah I've got a house I got a car I got a bike um, you know I've got a wonderful family like I, I should not want right mm-hmm. um, and every once in a while yeah I'll see something and I'll say you know what yeah, I, I would be a whole lot better uh, for me if I had one of those it would make my life a whole lot easier and then like I catch myself um, in that in that roundabout logic, uh, and it's all just a trap, man. It's marketing. It's it's dark psychology that these people are are pushing on you, on this really junk culture. Um, you need a new pair of shoes every six months. No, man, you should buy a pair of shoes. It's gonna last you a year. You know, mm-hmm. you don't need twelve pairs of shoes. You need like two, maybe some <laughs> boots, maybe some athletic shoes. Um. You know, like it, it shouldn't be this excess. Um, we're killing the planet for it. We're killing ourselves. We're getting ourselves into these like ridiculous financial strains uh, that makes you struggle and always want more and never be satisfied. And I'm an ambitious guy. Like I always want to do bigger. Like I want to do better. I want the three restaurants that I'm running right now to become seven in the next three years. Um, but I don't want to do that because I'm thinking of all the gains it's going to get me. I'm thinking about doing that because I think it's going to make a better system and a better quality of life for all the people who are impacted by it. Mm-hmm. All the employees that are going to be there and all the, the lives that are going to change and all the people who are going to experience um, what it is that I do in my craft um, and be able to give that gift to, to all of those people uh, is really what's, what's ultimately important in all of that. Um, and yes, living your life like that will reap good rewards. It will. But you can't go into it with the selfish mindset of, I'm just going to do this for me because I have to do all these things to make all the money, to buy all the stuff, to take all the vacations, to go everywhere in the world and own everything. Yep. It's a, it's a sad existence when the most important thing in your life is to, to always want, to always need, you know, that, that greed, um, is really like the downfall of people. Yeah, Sure. Yeah, I agree with you, Seth. Um, 100% is there. We are uh, almost um, in one hour mark here. Uh, usually the podcast is 25-30 minutes. I've done Oof. one other podcast. <laughs> that, was, that was an hour. I uh, really want to... Uh, I'm not uh, exaggerating here, but uh, I wouldn't care if it would be two hours, but I'm really enjoying the conversation. Um, however, we lost some time um, earlier while we try to establish that connection. So I'm going to wrap this up for this episode. And hopefully, uh, if you'd be kind, um, we want you uh, uh, talking and uh, sharing yourself so that um, we all could uh, listen to your amazing uh, uh, you know, thought processes and your life life experiences in our coming episodes but uh, for now uh, I have a last question it's sort of it has been sort of uh, a tradition of the uh, podcast now Mm -hmm. Um, I ask all the guests uh, one thing um, you would advise our listeners uh, especially young listeners to stay away from and one thing you want them to get into as soon as possible uh put your phone down put your computer down and get yourself out into nature uh you discover your true self in the outdoors in an uncluttered mental space um i personally go hiking at least once every other week um 40 degrees or 90 it doesn't matter um 
the most important thing is to to be able to be yourself with your thoughts and seek out meditation and, and seek out clarity in your mind uh, and you'll never do that with your eyes glued to a screen so mm-hmm. phones down and open minds I, I think is the the only advice uh, that I can give to people uh, and I think that they'll experience a much more fulfilling uh, and enriched life because of it this 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 is beautiful um, this said uh, also I extend um, a formal invitation to um, chef and your family whenever uh, down the road down in a few years whenever you get time uh, come to Nepal it's a beautiful place um, it's really beautiful especially if you like nature hiking and trekking mm-hmm. um, I will uh, catch up with you on that regard personally. Uh, anything else uh, you want to um, uh, uh, tell to our uh, listeners? No, man. I mean, like, really, I've, I'm just, I'm so pleased to have, have gotten the opportunity to, to hang out and chat with you tonight. Um, you know, really, really great to, to connect with you. Like you said, you know, it's it's been some years and, uh, you know, uh, really fantastic to have this opportunity just to, to talk about some things that are, are very important to me. Um, and I, I hope that the message, you know, strikes some people and, and I hope that, you know, uh, your podcast does extremely well and, you know, I, I wish you all the best of luck with it. And, um, really just, just great to be a part of it, man. And, uh, thank you so much for, for inviting me. I'm definitely going to be taking you up on that offer to come to Nepal. Uh, it's one of those, one of those things I would really love to do. Because uh, w- w- when, I, when I was a kid, um, since I was born in a place uh, surrounded by nature, rivers, mountains, hills, like I could show you a picture of like how it looks outside. The, the There's a mountain called Fishdale. It, mm-hmm. it looks like uh, how we see Empire State Building from, you know, some part of Manhattan. That's that close it looks, you know. I'm gonna show it to you later, you know. But I never appreciated nature um, way later in my life. Like nowadays, like it's been a year, I started appreciating nature. The more less egoistical I become somehow, mm-hmm. right? The more I'm ap- appreciating nature and the more uh, fruitful the experience it has been. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uh, I forget uh, where I was uh, uh, going with it, but uh, yeah, I really uh, admired uh, your uh, what you said, like you know, being in nature, and also I admired uh, everything you said. Uh, uh, the conversation is special for also for me. It's a growing opportunity. It's a learning opportunity every time I get to talk. Because in all those years uh, knowing you, we never. Dwell deep in this kind of conversation, you know. So mm. it, it, it's an opportunity for uh, me as well to know you as a person. Uh, everything what you mentioned was so candid, and I was like awestruck. I was like really listening to it, really paying attention, and it really all makes sense now, you know. Uh, and I think I've known you a, a, a little better now as well. And I thank you from uh, from the bottom of my heart. Uh, for uh, so easily accepting the offer despite uh, everything's going on um, in your life despite uh, all the craziness um, you know you uh, extending uh, the support to support your old friend I, I appreciate it I appreciate it that a ton chef absolutely man I mean like if ever there was a time to do it you know uh, 2020 has been a, a big year of reconnection for me Um and and working on you know all of these things so i i think that this is also a a big part of my personal journey and and you know being able to to walk this path with you and, and do this like it's it's great man super fulfilling and um you know it's it's nice to to get the message out you know <laughs> absolutely thank you thank you so uh absolutely. we're gonna we're gonna in in the episode now uh And once again, thank you. Stay safe. Have fun. And uh, take care. Take care of yourself, man. Great take talking care. to Stay you. Positive. Be in touch. So, dear listeners, uh, this is it. Uh, the seventh episode. Let us know what you think about uh, this particular episode. If you have comments, if you have ideas, um, 
uh, feel free. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, love if you would uh, give us, give me some feedback so that uh, we could make the coming episodes even more uh, engaging, meaningful, and fun. Thank you all.